Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. How's everybody doing? Good? Good to see all y'all here today. Uh, I just want to say I'm grateful for this opportunity to speak to y'all. Also grateful to be a part of this awesome staff. We have the best team. I can say that because I'm biased. But uh, today we're continuing our series that we've been going through, Inner Circles. Uh, Pastor Matt's been sharing it with us. But we've been talking about how we're as close to Jesus as we want to be. But our goal is for everyone to take a step closer to Jesus because we're not about being complacent. Complacency is not good. But we want to push forward into the inner circles to be closer to Jesus. And most people that follow Jesus would say, of course I want to be closer to Jesus. But in Luke 14, Jesus tells his followers, take up your cross and count the cost. So when you're following Jesus, it is going to cost you something. If you know me, I love everything about vehicles and going fast and racing. If I, if I could have been a race car driver, probably would have. But in my dream, my dream vehicle is a 1970 Ford Bronco. And there's this company that restores them, puts a five liter Coyote V8 in them. It restores the entire frame, restores the interior, new paint. Like, it's like it just came off the lot. It's so awesome. And I'm from Mustang, so it's almost like fate for me to have a Bronco. So... <laughs> It's, it's just a dream, but it is like until I look at the cost of everything and I'm like, you know what, maybe I can wait on that dream a little bit because payments would be insane. Tag title and tax on that thing would be insane. And on top of that, we haven't even gotten to how much insurance would cost for a kid who likes to go fast in a vehicle that expensive. So when I think about all the costs financially, I'm like, you know what, I'm good with just staying with the truck I've got right now. It's paid off. It runs great. And it may not be super fast, but that's okay. Um, And that's how we are with our relationships with Jesus. I think we do want to get closer, but when we start counting up what it'll cost us, it's easier just to be like, you know what? I'll just stick with what I got. But every step that you take closer to Jesus, even though it's going to cost you something, it's always going to be worth it. So never think that the cost will ever outweigh the worth of actually stepping out because God will bless you on the other side of your obedience to him. So it's always worth following him because it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. So as we push deeper into the inner circles, let's look at where we started. In week one, we're talking about the crowd. Uh, These are the people who are on the edge listening to Jesus, learning about him. And this is where we bring people from the community in to learn more about him also. In week two, we learned about the 5,000 that were fed by Jesus, and they started following him for food and miracles. And he shows them that, look, guys, it's not just about the food. It's about a relationship with me. And that's where we have to acknowledge that what we have is from God, and then we surrender it back to him and allow him to work through us. And today, going a little bit deeper, we're talking about the 72. These are the people that took one more step, and that's where they really start to count the cost of following Jesus. So in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, it kind of sets the scene for us. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. 
So here Jesus tells the 72 and he sends them saying, ask to send workers to the harvest. And Jesus here is showing us that we have to put feet to our faith and put action to what we believe. Following Jesus is not about just watching and believing what he says, but it's finding how we can work in what he's doing. It's not just hearing the word, but it's actually going and doing what it says. So in verse four, Jesus continues, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it'll return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your own town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. There's a huge difference between the 5,000 and the 72. It's a big jump. The 5,000 was a place where God provided his healing and provision, and it's a good place to be, but it's not a great place for us to stay. Here in the 72, this is where God begins to use us and give us purpose. So in verse 1, Jesus starts with the fact that we are preparing the way for him. In the 5,000, the focus was on what Jesus could do for us, but now it's on what can we do for Jesus. It's a lot like John F. Kennedy's inaugural speech when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Here the same thing applies, but it's not about America anymore. It's about God's kingdom. And the idea is that we're moving from what God does for us into how can we be a part of what God is doing and do something for him. And the harvest is referring to people who don't follow Jesus. He's telling the 72, a lot of people don't know me and very few people are even doing something about it. So I'm sending you. And in verse two, we see the needs of others. In the 5,000, it was all about our needs and what we needed, our healing provision. But now Jesus is showing us it's not about us. It's about the others that are around us that need to know Jesus. It's about going and doing what he tells us to do. And he tells us what to do in verse three. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Amongst wolves. The 5,000 was safe. Everybody there in the 5,000 was like-minded. Everybody wanted to see what Jesus could do. They wanted his miracles and his provision. But now that we're going further, it's going to cost us something. And it's not a bad thing to be expectant of Jesus to move in your life. You should desire to see God do something in your life. But remember, we're called to go deeper. We're called to move forward with him and to see him move through our lives. So it's about affecting others, not just us. It's good to see God move in our lives, but we want to see him move through our lives to help others too, not just us. Because that's what a relationship with him is. It's something so good that we need to share it. And because we're going further, the 72 isn't safe. Just like I said, we're moving out like lambs amongst wolves. Essentially, what Jesus is telling us is that what I'm calling you to do is going to be difficult. There are going to be costs. You're going to encounter difficult people. But in the end, it will be worth it. For me, I kind of saw this firsthand a little bit in high school. Um, we had to read this book. Uh, it's called The Book Thief. I don't know if y'all have read it before or not. But um, it's about World War II. And basically, it characterizes death in such a way that it has power over humanity. And whenever I read that, like we had to write a book report over, over it. 
And I remember reading it and being like, but this isn't the truth. The truth is that Jesus holds the power over death. Like, that doesn't hold any authority over us as humans. And I knew that book was, like, shaping the worldview of all the kids in the class, too, not just mine. And so I, like, wrote about that in my book report and was like, this isn't right. And when the time got called for my, like, the teacher's like, Austin, it's your turn to present. I was like, oh, shoot, here we go. I got I to gotta talk about what I wrote now. So I get up there. I go through the first paragraph. And I get to the second paragraph where I had written that, and I was like, you know, I could skip it. Nobody would know. I can just make it cohesive, and we'll be fine. But the Holy Spirit is like, no, I put you there for a reason. You got to say it. And even if it is going to cost us judgment from others or maybe even actual persecution, whatever it is, the trouble, the trouble and difficulty that we face is always going to be worth it because we're spreading God's love with others. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're going to be like a lamb among wolves. But Jesus gives the 72 orders of operation to follow in the midst of that. And it's not PEMDAS like they taught us in math class. But verse 4 says, we must live by faith. In the 5,000, it was all about what they could see Jesus do. They had seen him provide for them. They saw the five loaves and two fish go and provide for all of them. That's pretty impossible, but they were able to see it happen. Now the 72... They're being called to go on this journey, taking nothing with them, and they have to be fully dependent on God to provide for them. It's like living the Amarillo by morning lifestyle. All they've got is the clothes on their back. And the same goes for us. We must learn to live by faith and be fully dependent on Jesus. When you do begin to live by faith, you'll see that there's so much freedom in it because you're trusting him to be your provider. The pressure is no longer on you. He's carrying it for you. Verse 5 continues, and it says, bless people's houses. In the 5,000, it was about our blessing, what we could receive, but now it's about blessing others. In verse 7, it says, to be content with what you have. This goes hand in hand with having faith. Because now in the 72, we're content. Our life isn't about us anymore. The world that we live in is never satisfied and always hungry for more, always looking for something more. But to live like Jesus and be apart from the world, we have to learn to be content. And we do that by living by faith and trusting that he will provide and knowing, God, I know you will provide for me, so I'm content with what I have because I know I can trust you. And then in verse 9, it talks about healing and meeting the needs of people. So again, in the 5,000, it was about our needs, but now in the 72, it's about others' needs. So how are the 72 preparing the way for Jesus? They're meeting people's needs. How do we prepare the way for Jesus, for other people to meet Jesus? It's meeting their needs. And then in verse 10, you will be rejected, but you'll, you learn how to deal with it. It's a hard part of ministry, and especially like being a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me, but that's just not the way life is. And sometimes know that like when you share Jesus with others, people are going to make fun of you for it and give you a hard time. They might not like you, but that's okay. It is worth it because you are sharing something that will save their lives. Because our goal is so that all would come to know who Jesus is. Maybe they won't like us, but if they accept him, it will all be worth it. And if that's all that's worth it, then we're able to understand that we're no longer living for the appreciation of others. Instead, we're living for the audience of one, Jesus. And it's all about drawing nearer to him. So the whole point of the 72 and this passage is about serving others. God is using us and... Sometimes it's not about the abilities that we have, it's about the availability that we give him. 
Because when you feel like you have nothing to offer him and you couldn't possibly be used to further God's kingdom, it's the more likely that you're going to actually be used by God to do something for him. God, God literally told Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said that his power is made perfect in weakness and his grace is sufficient. So if you think about like Gideon, Moses, the disciples, all these people had things about them that were seen as huge weaknesses and they discounted themselves and didn't even think they could accomplish what God called them to do. They were definitely not first round draft picks. And if y'all follow the NBA, you know David Stern was the commissioner a little while ago. But he would get up and like in the 92 draft, he said, the Orlando Magic selects Shaquille O'Neal from Louisiana State University. And they wouldn't do that for Gideon, Moses, and the disciples because they didn't qualify. They didn't have all the talents that Shaq had. But that's why God used them, not because of what they could do, but because of God and him knowing what he could do through them. And the same goes for us. God knows what he can do through you, but you have to be available to him. You have to open your heart to him. And the 72 pushes past just wanting to know Jesus and into us wanting to be like Jesus. It means following him to a place of serving. Make sure you understand first, though, that we work because he saved us, not for him to save us. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says that it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. So we don't work for our salvation. That work was already done by Jesus on the cross when he died and rose again. We don't earn that. That is freely given to us. Instead, our works follow a genuine faith. Think about it kind of like getting saved is like a wedding. So two people make a commitment on that day, on their wedding day, and they're married. But marriage isn't about a day. It's about the lifetime of love, commitment, and sacrifice that follows it. And the same goes for your salvation. You were saved on one day, but now it's about the lifetime of sacrifice and commitment, commitment that follows you as you follow Jesus. I've, seen, I've been able to be blessed to see this in my parents. Um, they've been married for 27 years, and the amount of sacrifice that I've seen my dad make for my mom and for us and vice versa, with what my mom did for my dad and for us as well, it just shows how much they truly love each other and love us as a family just because they're willing to lay everything down just for us. And notice that in that, that's where we see that we do works from a position of love. We don't serve God and his people to get saved. Instead, we serve God and his people because we are saved and we love him first. If you look at what James says in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And James continues in chapter 2 verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So don't pretend like you have faith if you're not doing anything with it. Instead, actually live your faith out and serve others. 
Because remember, we study the Bible in order to apply it. What good is it if we know the word, but we don't live it out? It doesn't help anybody. Instead, we have to apply it and do the principles that it gives us. If you notice, Jesus was always doing something to serve others. And just like the verse that we read um, during worship, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28 says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we serve God and his people, we're becoming more like Jesus. In 5,000, like in the 5,000, you'll find the healing that you're looking for, but you're not going to find the fulfillment that you're looking for and the purpose that you're looking for. Because it ta- it's important to understand that you have to take time to heal from whatever's happened to you in life because you can't give what you don't have. Pastor Adam says it this way. He says, understand that resting for a season is helpful, but don't let your rest turn into a retirement. Maybe you got really hurt at your last church. Maybe friends have quit on you. Maybe life has taken so much from you that you don't even know if you could even move on. And I encourage you to find a place where you can rest and build trust and take the time to heal. Don't jump into anything. But at the same time, don't let that keep you from being used by God. Don't let your pain keep you from your purpose. Because if you've been hurt, you don't have to be one of the um, people who falls in the category of hurting people hurt people. Instead, let God use your testimony. Because hurting people are usually the best at helping other hurting people because they understand the pain and the journey of what life is. It's like going to physical therapy. It is going to hurt in the beginning, getting back into serving others, especially if you've been hurt. But in the long run, the more you move and start using that muscle again, you're better for it. You regain the strength that you'd lost. So if Jesus was always doing something, how do we become more like him and get closer to him and put action to our faith? It's through serving. Serving helps you discover your purpose. It unlocks your potential It shows you what God can do through you. It forces you to break out of your comfort zone and actually grow. Because if you're not doing anything, you're staying comfortable. You're growing stagnant. You're not growing with Jesus. Serving also builds your relationships. When you serve with somebody, that shared experience is something that you won't ever forget. And it helps you get to know those like you. And there are different areas that you could serve. Um, But first, I want to encourage you, get involved in your community. Serve your city. Pick up trash if you see it. Mow somebody's yard. Help the homeless, the foster care system. Serve the communities and schools around you. Find a need that's in your community and meet it. There's a slide that they'll show, and I'm going to kind of talk through it, but these are different partners that we as a church work with in order to help serve those in our community. There's the Hope Alive program, which is addiction recovery. There's the Love Works Leadership program. It's an after-school program. The Hope Pregnancy Center, which helps pregnant women find resources and all the information that they need to not have an abortion. And then there's Crossroads Youth and Family, and they help those who are aging out of foster care. There's the Food and Shelter for Friends, which is a homeless ministry. Chosen Orphan Care, which helps the foster and adoptive families. And then the Baptist Children's Home, which helps single moms and their families transition through difficult situations. God has placed you in this community in church for a reason. Honor as well by being obedient and serving those around you. 
Because here, this is a list of places where there are people hurting. And you have the healing they need because you have a relationship with Jesus. So don't be afraid to meet their needs. Because where you're at is for a purpose. Don't take it for granted. The second place you can get involved at and serve is here at church. Part of being the body of Christ is that we support one another. If you see a brother or sister who's struggling, reach out and help them. You never know what they're going through. There are many different ways you can also get involved and serve here at the church and pour into the other people at this church as they pour into you. It might be difficult to get started, but when you see the life change start to occur in you and in those around you, it'll all be worth it. Because you could help with parking team, greeting team, coffee shop team, kids ministry. You could lead a small group or mentor a teenager or child. Whatever it is, you can get involved and make an impact. Especially in youth, if you want to be a youth leader, these kids need somebody who will show them what it's like to be a real man, a real woman who follows after Christ. Because a lot of them don't have those examples in their lives to follow. And they need somebody to show them how to live like that. And then lastly, each one of you has God-given abilities to help others. God has uniquely, uniquely gifted you and given you something that you can use to help others. Maybe you were made to teach or train somebody. Maybe you can relate with them so perfectly that you understand the way they learn and you're able to help them get what you're trying to teach them in an instant. Maybe you're business-minded and you can help somebody who's struggling in their finances and you can help them learn how to prioritize and be better with their money. Maybe you are the best at making systems that help things operate like a well-oiled machine and you can bring direction to something that is out of direction. Or maybe you can cook the best chili. Whatever it is, God has given you a gift. Don't be afraid to use it. Step out in faith. Because God has given each and every single one of y'all a purpose. It is your choice to walk in it. But I encourage you to choose to walk in it. So that others might come to know Jesus. Because we're a church of contributors, not consumers. We serve others in order to bring the light and love of Jesus to them. Because that's the ultimate goal is that everybody would come to know him. So let all that you do be done for his glory. And do it with everything in you. Don't hold back so that Jesus might be glorified and so that we can finish the race that we've been called to. If I could go ahead and have everybody go ahead and bow their heads. Close your eyes. Maybe you've been struggling to see how God could give you a purpose and you feel like you don't have a purpose. I pray that you would begin to see that God has uniquely gifted you with something that was made to help others come to know him. And maybe you're scared to take that next step to draw closer to Jesus because you know what it's going to cost you. But I pray that you understand and that God shows you that no matter what the cost is, what he does in and through you will always be worth it. Because it's bringing others to know him. And maybe you haven't accepted Jesus today and you want to be able to have him in your life. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Everybody repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but Lord, I know you died on the cross for me. So I accept you into my heart 
and I give you my life. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.